0: Hi, everybody. good evening, welcome to the broadcast. It is october twenty fifth, two thousand and seventeen. Tonight's broadcast is an open form, a question and answer forum. So this is for current families, alumni families, but also, For siblings, family, and friends. So if if you're one of those, please uh, submit questions at any time. Andrea, who's moderating for me tonight, will submit them to me when there's time. I have some uh, pre-submitted questions to get to first. If you have a question that you'd like me to, to answer for a family or friend, you can also ask that at any time and submit those. If you're a sibling, let me know your age. If you're under 18, it helps me a little bit in terms of how to answer and what age to answer at. <clears throat> so with that, let me get to the the one of the the first of the six pre-submitted questions we have. How is length of stay decided? When when do you know that a child is ready to leave? That's probably one of the one of the five most common questions that I get asked and it's a I would say it this way very simply it's a discussion and a dialogue. Like all things that that we try to do around parent coaching and parent education, it's not something that we're just doing to you because it's complex and it's a sophisticated consideration. We're going to have that discussion with you. So it's not so simple that that children, young adults who do poorly or struggle stay longer, children who do well stay shorter. Sometimes the opposite might be the case in, in both situations. It depends on where they're going afterwards. It depends on if they're getting ready to turn 18. It depends on what your specific goals and objectives are. It depends on, on what level of functioning they enter the program. and So it's it's not a clear decision. And I think this also leads to the idea that it doesn't mean that your child is completely done. right? It's not that when they're completed with the program that their work is done. And so that... Idea that concept that it's just a step in the process, also suggests that it's going to be a dialogue between you and the, the therapist. That evoke. if your child is a young adult, they're going to participate in that discussion more, of course, because you're trying to measure. And it's a it's a, it's a tighter uh, a walk, a tightrope to walk with young adults because you you want buy-in. You need some kind of buy-in. You need motivation for the next step. And so you're trying to make that step. In the early days of wilderness therapy, oftentimes the program was set up in in such a way, number one, it was a set length of stay. It was either three or seven weeks. That's how it was for years before we started our program. Then we introduced variable length of stay. But oftentimes the idea in the early days was to discharge, graduate the student or client at their peak, at their highest level of functioning and the climax, Two things came out of that. Number one, we got a big pat on the back. We got congratulated for the work that we were doing, and everybody admired our work, and we patted ourselves on the back. But the thing that it didn't do is it didn't provide the family or the client with a realistic idea of what progress and regression looked like. Because inevitably, after a peak, especially in the small box that is wilderness therapy, You're going to see some regression. And so we want to see some practice with that. So so sometimes staying past that peak, clients will say, I'm getting bored. I'm ready to move on. And part of the idea about that, and again, it's a dialogue to have with you, is that life is not climactic, right? Graduating from from evoke, reuniting with the family, moving on to the next phase can feel like a wonderful peak, a wonderful climax but in reality day to day life is not climactic like that most of it relatively speaking is uneventful you know there's a lot that we do throughout the day that that can be tedious waking up early exercising filling out paperwork and and the like and so giving parents giving clients the opportunity to go through that process and adjust to it and and learn from it is an important piece of the process. So that's not a clear, specific, short answer, but it is the answer that I'll give you. Next question, sister who's eighteen. I'm not sure that I trust my brother is going to make the lasting changes he needs to. I've seen him relapse before, and I'm not sure I know how to trust that he is doing as well as he says he is. You know, I, I'm I'm glad this came from a sister, and I I think it also speaks to to parents. You don't necessarily have to trust your brother. There's probably some wisdom in being skeptical. That's different than being punishing and punitive and negative. But it's more like taking a let's wait and see attitude and taking it a day at a time. I think parents and siblings, for that matter, would be better served to take a wait and see attitude, to not jump to conclusions, positive or negative, to recognize that the highs aren't that high and the lows aren't that low, and, and just to see. Uh, another thing, this isn't the exact question you're asking, but, but I'll say, I, I say to family members often, a helpful way to approach this is to assume that nobody in your family is going to change. I would say the same thing um, to, to the client the student in our program. And the reason I say that is when we get fixated or or focused on the other person changing, in this case, your brother, we miss the opportunities to realize the work that we need to do. As a sibling, as a parent, how do we need to communicate, how we need to be patient, how we can deal with frustration tolerance, with with difficulty with being upset, with being in, in pain or loss, Or or any kind of uncomfortable emotion As it relates to the other And so In relationships there's this idea sometimes That we talk about About meeting the other person halfway And what I always say is Meet the other person all the way People that meet halfway Often end up about Two or three percentage points Away from each other Arguing about that last Two or three percentage points So you do your work You let go And I would I would give you your emotions. I would honor them. I would not ask you to abandon your your skepticism. What I would invite you to do is not to use it to punish him, not to use it to be overly critical or punitive in the process or nag him or beat him up with it. That's yours to own. That's yours, and you you have a right to it, and it's it's well-deserved. But when we use it in a negative way, then it can be harmful and destructive. And, and it's not, then it's not us owning it. All right, the next pre-submitted question comes from a mother. What should I tell my family and friends about my child's time at Evoke? I want to respect his privacy, but I also I don't want to lie. That's a very good question. Um, again, not a simple one to answer. First of all, I wouldn't try to talk you into saying anything or nothing. A very simple way is to talk about it very vaguely. You know, he's off at school. We are a, a licensed school, or, or any other thing, he's off at, at a leadership program, because in essence, it's, it's, a, it's a self-improvement program. As vague as you want to base, be still within the parameters is OK. Off at a program, working on himself. You know, the, the more I go down that, that line, the more vulnerable and real that it gets. But but know this, that oftentimes when you do select, when you do choose to share a little bit with people that you're a little bit closer to, you will find in many cases that people will open up to you, that, that we keep ourselves separated in many ways because we, we want to present on the outside like everything is going okay and well. And so I think there's some opportunity here for you as you do your own work, to find moments, to find relationships to disclose a little bit more. You don't have to disclose anything. You know, pick your battles, use your energy wisely because this process takes a lot of energy and you, it's, it's entirely possible that you could get some more judgmental and negative reactions from people. In my own life, I will tell you that the more I talk about my own work, my own challenges, my own family issues... It tends to And I don't mean this in a very overt way But it tends to weed people out For me Right, The people that that can connect to that Can can open up to that Can be non-judgmental of that Gravitate towards me Stay in conversation and relationship with me The people that are either overwhelmed by it Or or find judgment in that Mm -hmm. Those people I tend to They tend to not spend as much time together. And so in some ways, you're, you're learning to surround your, yourself with your people and your authentic people. Again, going back to the idea, you don't have to say anything. Being vague is okay. Um, but there's, there's an opportunity, I believe, in, in practicing vulnerability and practicing disclosure. And I think if you try that and you find people opening up and sharing their story with you in, in the way that I, I have suggested then you might find more courage, more opportunity to do that as you go forward. You have a right to say nothing. You have a right to be vague. Practice, I would suggest, practicing some opportunities. Remind yourself that nobody, nobody is immune from having somebody that they care about, that, that struggle, not having somebody they care about that struggles with mental health or addiction problems in some way. So... so also, if you, if you can't find that, go to the support groups that we often suggest that we ask all parents to go to and find some of your people. So there are people that you can share with. Because if you don't trust your, your immediate contacts, if you don't trust your, your immediate friend group, you, you, it's important, I think vital, that you don't isolate yourself by not sharing with anybody. So I do think it's important to find somebody to share with. And support groups, 12-step groups and, and such can be that outlet, can be that connecting place. All right, next question from a father. What are your recommendations for after Evoke? My wife is pushing for her to come home right after so that she will not miss the holidays at home. Um, well, I can't make a recommendation to your family specifically. I will tell you about our experience and my experience, and that is that it takes, typically takes more time than what Evoke provides, and in many cases. Our experience tells us, not our theoretical uh, positioning, not our theoretical stance, but our our experience tells us that oftentimes, most oftentimes, evoke is a nice starting point. I definitely would would steer families away from timelines that have to do with anniversaries, events, holidays, in the big picture, The, the commitment and the sacrifice, really. That you and your child make for, for those kind of events Pays off a dividend. I often used to say that Winter and specifically holidays Were the, the best time to send a child to, to a wilderness To our program In fact, I said that for many, many years And ended up sending my son to, to our program For Thanksgiving Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas uh, New Year's and his birthday He was there for all, all of those holidays because they're meaningful, because they, they, they have a greater weight, right? There's kind of a, a, more, a, a more of a mindfulness to it because you're, you're more aware of it. They become very special memories for families. And I always say, I don't care about Hanukkah or Christmas or New Year's Eve or Thanksgiving 2017. I don't care about that. I really don't. I care about 2018, 19, 20, 21 and on. Folks, it doesn't get, it doesn't get easier after a It gets harder and that's okay. You're all going to sign up for that. You're all going to do your work and have your child go on to the next step or, or come home or whatever level of care that is the next step. You're all eventually going to sign up for that but it does not get easier. I, I just had another student tell me this week Another student told me this week that they wish they were back at Evoke after going on to the next step. And this was somebody who would have, they would have never predicted that they would have said that. So it's, the, it's in some ways the safest, the safest and easiest way. Is there a genuine loss for the family, for your child, when they miss these markers, these holidays, these celebrations and anniversaries? Absolutely. And in many ways, that's what makes the work, the stay, that much more deep, that much more meaningful, that much more memorable. From a brother, 15-year-old brother, what is the best way for me to communicate the hurt that my sister's actions have caused me and everyone else in my family? Um, What I would say is honestly and authentically, if you're interested Ask your parents to look at the webinar on communication or the hopes and intentions letter. But I respect the feelings. I encourage you to to share them. If you're willing to look at the communication webinar, the I feel statement, following that model can be really helpful. Be honest, authentic. There's something we talk about in therapy where you own it, meaning that it's your feeling. Right? It's, not, it's not theirs to own, but you can talk about it as yours, and, and you have a right to it, and you came by it honestly. So communicate it honestly, genuinely, show, show ownership so that, that it's yours. Look at the webinar on, on the I Feel statement. In fact, if you don't want to watch the webinar or listen to the podcast, you can look at the, the blog that I did on Eight Tools for Transforming Relationships. Ask your parents for that. That's the the shortest kind of step-by-step ideas, tools that I have that I've seen help people make a difference. And and then just follow that. Follow that that format. If you want, share it with your your sister's therapist at Evoke, and he or she will give you feedback. That can be really helpful too. Thank you for asking. Last pre-submitted question. How much of therapy education is based around family living? Our brother that, that is at Evoke, has voluntarily withdrawn from all of family life. I would love to see efforts made to help him understand how we miss him being a part of family life, reemphasizing to him the value of family. Uh, you, you know, the work at Evoke becomes a microcosm. That is, the way that I say it is, our program is like a, a tiny miniaturized universe. That, that mirrors the bigger universe and the bigger world. And so the, the, the patterns, the communication, the relationships, a lot of parents will say to us that after their child is here with us a couple of weeks and we're giving them our updates and our descriptions about what we're seeing, most parents will say, you get my child. You get my child in some ways like nobody else has ever gotten my child. That's because th- this environment really does lend itself well to exposing who the child is. So those patterns get repeated. We practice them. We do do letter writing therapy. We do phone therapy. We do visits, of course, middle of program and or sometimes end of program visits. And so, yes, we encourage, we nudge, we push, we challenge clients, children to work on their family relationships we, and we work on those both directly and virtually, you know, with, with kind of using the group as an example of the family. So it's an integral part. We don't see the issues and the symptoms that your sibling has. We don't see those as separated or unique apart from the family system. We don't. That's why we ask the family to do so much work. Again, I would encourage you, To Ask your parents for a couple of the broadcasts to look at, to, to to see what we're teaching, whether it be family work or communication or listening or being right. In fact, I'll scroll back if you're watching the webinar and not listening to the podcast to the 10 most recommended webinars, podcasts, the I feel statement, control versus influence, guilt, blame, and accountability, eight tools for transforming relationships, being right, Healthy emotional boundaries, I guess there's 11. Um, Containing, creating safety in relationships, codependency, cause and effect, thinking error in parenting, healthy detachment, and self-care. Among other things, I would encourage you to look at one of those that jump out to you. So you can catch up, you know, that you can build a bridge between what your sibling is learning and what you're learning. So I appreciate the question. I'm happy to take any live questions. All right, live question. First live question. Please speak to the importance of educational consultants in the process of planning for care. I will say this as clearly as I can, as personally as I can. I hired my own. I had been doing this for, uh, oh, 16 years, something like that. Maybe Maybe 14 years. By the time that I sent my son to treatment... And I did not do it without an education consultant. They're an independent voice. They case manage all the way through the process. They give you a reference point that's independent of the program. So if you're frustrated with the program or with what you're being told from the program, you can talk to your consultant. Your your consultant can give you a reality check. Or if the program isn't living up to snuff, then... The consultant is your quality assurance advocate. They can also help in, in aftercare planning and, and transitioning. Right? They they're that they're the one common thread all the way through the, the start of the intervention, wilderness therapy, and the steps that follow. So I found mine invaluable. I, I had a relationship with them and, and I was offered a discount and I refused the discount because I wanted the, the, the same value. The same resources, didn't want to apologize for calling up late, asking questions, being a nag, being a pain, being needy. So I I value them. I think they can be a fantastic resource. I would hire one again if I were going through the process. I hired one the first time that I went through the process. So I think that they're important. I wrote a blog on it too some time ago. So if you look at the Evoke Therapy blog and search my blogs. I talked about the importance of, of educational consultants. And one of the points that I make is I would put several steps down on the importance of, of their value, although I put it on the on the list of values. You know, choosing an aftercare, I probably could have chosen one myself given my exposure to programs 14 years into doing this work. I did rely on them and did find some other options and visited several. I probably could have, though. But... There are several other things that I mentioned that that are important that are more valuable than merely choosing a program. So that's some of my thoughts. Are there any other questions? No other questions? I'm gonna to go to upcoming events and announcements. If there are any other questions, submit them now and I'll pause before I end. We ask, we implore all current parents to go to six 12-step support groups. Either Al-Anon, you can go to Alanon.org, coda, coda.org, Families Anonymous. FamiliesAnonymous.org. Just try six, we ask you. Even if your child doesn't have a substance abuse issue. You can also go to NAMI.org to get free resources, classes in your area. All of our broadcasts are available on podcasts on the iPhone or iOS device. It's available on the podcast app. Search Evoke Therapy Programs and subscribe there. If you don't have an iPhone and you have an Android device, download the SoundCloud app and search Evoke Therapy programs and and subscribe there. On Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at Evoke Therapy. On Facebook, search Evoke Therapy programs. This is not just to build our social network. This is for announcements, resources, articles, inspirational quotes to stay connected. Sometimes if the email invitation goes that we send out to you for a meeting or for an event, goes in your spam filter or somehow you get removed from the list as it does happen, you can also find Invites and announcements. There, you can go to the Second Nature Alumni Foundation on Facebook and find out about an organization that helps people that can't afford treatment. You can go to our blog. My book, *The Journey of the Heroic Parent*, is available on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com or ReganArts.com. R-E-G-A-N Arts.com. Also, audio or CD purchases are available of my book. The Parent Alumni Foundation on Facebook is part of the Amazon Smiles programs. A percentage of the books that are recommended by our therapists, if you buy them there, are, are donated to the organization to help people who can't afford therapy themselves. We have a workshop. We ask all current parents to go to a workshop. They happen about every five or six weeks. The next workshop is at our Entrada location. That's November 18th and 19th. Experiential multifamily group. You get a little taste of of what your child has experienced. If you can combine it, if the timing is right, check with your evoke therapist. You can combine it with a field visit. Contact gale at evoketherapy.com for more information or to RSVP. If you want to do deeper work, the last one that I will for sure be doing of these, then I'm going to be training and handing off some people where I supervise. Then I'm going to be doing all private intensives. Uh, The next finding you, that's for any age adult. Is November eighth and eleventh. We have a couple of spots still left. So if you have any interest in going and doing deeper work, it's a, it's a it's a psychodrama, family of origin, looking at your trauma, your anxiety, your codependency, finding out the origin. There's mindfulness, a lot of compassion work, role playing, skill building. Email intensives at evoketherapy.com or uh, call admissions or go to our website. The upcoming parent support groups that I'll be running. New York City on October 29th, 4 to 30 to six thirty p.m. at the Courtyard New York Marriott uh, at the JFK Airport. In Chicago, November 16th at the Renaissance Chicago North Shore. And in Southern California, it'll be on that Sunday. In fact, let me pause on this. We don't know if it's going to be that Sunday. It might move to the end of November. I had some glitches with my schedule today, so I'll confirm that this week. If you have any questions or or you want to RSVP, email andrea at evoketherapy.com. Pursuits are for high adventure. Think of of fun adventure trips all over the world. Virtually any length of time can be combined with therapy. Uh, That can be with with a family or individual adults can do that. All right, I'm happy to take any live questions that have come in. Our son is six weeks into the young adolescent program. In the Cascades, my parent assignment is to write a letter of awareness. Can you please provide some feedback guidelines? Thoughts on this parent assignment? It's about writing about your awareness about your own issues, your own issues as they impact your child. And and I like to think of it as it's a gift, it's a generous gift, it's a way of talking about how you impacted your child, your own accountability. I think a lot of fear that parents have is that they think it's going to condone or excuse their child's behavior. It doesn't do any of that. It's not about what the child does. What it does do is when you talk more about your issues, your vulnerabilities, your fears, your anxiety, your, your, your own childhood and how it affects you, when you talk about those things and, and that contribution to, to you and to the family, you, you lower defenses. You, you lower the walls. You invite emotional safety. It's not blaming you. It's not taking responsibility for their decision, their choices, their reaction, but it is owning yours. It's telling your story. It's just an invitation. It's really a foray into your work. What does that look like? We used to call it the letter of accountability. For, for the clients, we call it the, the, the letter of awareness, and similar for parents. Is there, next question, is there a particular part of your book that you can refer me to as perspective for this assignment? That's a great question. Oh gosh, that's a fantastic question. Um, a specific part. I, I mean, for me, I, I think it's probably chapter one, right? Changing the question. The, probably the first and the last chapter would be the the two that that, that jump out to me. Another webinar would be the Nine Rusty Armor. Uh, excuse me, the Letters of Juliet to the Nine Rusty Armor. The Letters of Juliet to the Nine Rusty Armor. I think that's a wonderful example of a, of an accountability letter, of an awareness letter. You know, moving from a place of anger and and, and blame and attacking the the identified patient. To Awareness of Self. The Letters of Juliet to The Night in Rusty Armor. I've done a webinar podcast on it. It's also, of course, based on a book, which is the sequel to The Night in Rusty Armor. That's something I would recommend to you in doing this assignment. I think it's a wonderful illustration of that. All right, folks. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your pre-submitted questions, your live questions. We'll announce the, the next webinar, the next broadcast soon. Have a great week. Take care of yourselves. I hope this is a helpful point of contact. Good night. Bye-bye.